Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I've put my eyes on things I shouldn't be putting my eyes on, so to speak, and all that stuff. Like my allegiance hasn't always been 100% to him. That's the walk we walk. And praise God for repentance and coming back and coming back and coming back and learning, hopefully learning, learning and learning. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Keep my eyes fixed on him. My eyes fixed on him. Because even if it, who cares if it's multiple times, even if it was just one time, he drank from a cup of suffering that you and I don't have to drink from. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus or on things of the world? It's easy for our eyes, ears, and bodies to wander into places of sin, and God understands that. He knows that you're going to sin, it's a part of our human nature, but how do you respond after you fall? Are you learning each time that you fall? Are you paying attention to what it is that causes you to stumble? Or are you in an endless cycle that never seems to stop? Today, Pastor James is going to empower you to break that cycle. It's never too late. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Leviticus 20.10, if there's adultery, it's death. Exodus 2014, that was when the commandment was, was, was issued. You shall not commit adultery. Deuteronomy 5.18, neither shalt thou commit adultery. It's repeated. So the, the man is not like, oh, he can do whatever. Unfortunately, I'll say this. Unfortunately, and at this point in time too, you, you had men who had had multiple wives, okay? Even heroes of the faith multiple wives and concubines who have been given to them uh, so that they can produce offspring. Going, reading through the Bible, one-year Bible, chronological order, all that good stuff, just cruised on through the story of Abraham. Abraham was given a concubine. That was not a good deal. That was not okay. But he wasn't the only one. You had other guys. Jacob had two wives. Now, he wanted one. His uncle Laban tricked him, gave him two, okay? He didn't want Leah, but he got Leah. But we've seen this, and so unfortunately, culturally at this point in time, if, you know, it just, the guys in the the ladies weren't exactly treated the same. They weren't treated the same, okay? It was almost, now it doesn't say this, but it, it seems like it was almost expected like a guy was going to be unfaithful. Which is fascinating, because even in New Testament times, when you have Rome, Rome was like notorious for lack of purity in marriages, he was notorious for that. But Proverbs 6.32 says that for a man who pursues that adulterous relationship, it will destroy your soul. So what happens to the guy? He dies. He dies. That's what happens. May not physically, but he will die. He'll die. It'll kill him spiritually. It just will. Now, There's still grace, forgiveness, and all that beautiful stuff, but just don't play with it. Don't mess with it. Don't even, don't go near it. Just don't. I have a growing list, a growing list, and I I hate this, but I have a growing list of people in ministry that I either were once listened to, or they had some sort of influence in my early walk with Jesus that have been now 
out of the ministry because of sexual affairs. And I hate that list. I hate it. And unfortunately, names keep getting added to it. Don't play with fire. Just don't play with fire, okay? And that's for all of us. Be smart. Be wise. Be wise. This is a battlefield. It's a battlefield, okay? So here we are, back in the story. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, she's holding, she's standing before the priest. Uh, when the priest is presenting the woman, okay, yeah, there you go. Jealousy offering to determine her, if the suspicion is justified. Priest will stand before her holding a jar of bitter water that brings a curse to those who are guilty. Yes, exactly right. All right, verse 19. The priest will then put the woman under oath and say to her, if no man has had sex with you or has been with you, I, I New Living Translation, I just like the transparency, okay? If you're like, you doesn't say that, uh, well, New Living Translation does, okay? It, it doesn't, there's no, like, no beating around the bush here. It's if she's been with another man. At this point, the priest must put the woman under oath, okay? Saying, may the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, cursing your womb to shrivel and your abdomen to swell. So there's like this physical thing that would happen to her when she would drink this bitter water. Now, there's nothing special about the bitter water at all. If something physically happened to her, that was the Lord. That was the Lord dealing with her. And there'd be like no, no getting away from it, no getting around it. Like you would, she would just be a parent. She would be required and the woman would be required to say yes or to say, yes, let it, let it be so. Verse 23, and the priest will write these curses on a piece of leather, wash them off in the bitter water. He will make the woman drink the water, bitter water that brings on the curse. When the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if, if, if she is guilty. If she's not guilty, it just tastes bad. Just bad water, right? It's just like, ugh, ugh this is sick. And then she looks at her husband. She's like, all right, we need to talk, right? Like, she's like, look, nothing happened, all right? You and I. We're going to have a little counseling session outside, okay? Verse 25, the priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand, lift it up before the Lord, and carry it to the altar. He will take a handful of flour as a token portion and burn it on the altar, and he will require the woman to drink the water. If she is defiled herself by being unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings on the curse will cause bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell, and her womb will shrink, and her name will be will become a curse among the people. But if she has not defiled herself and is pure, then she will be unharmed and she will be able to have children. Okay? And again, as far as we know, there's no records of this. And you would think with such a um, pronouncement that would be put on her, right? Like, I mean, it says her name will be, become a curse among her people. You really don't have any records of anybody of like, oh, stay away from oh, that lady. Okay? As far as we know. Verse 29, this ritual, this is a ritual law for dealing with suspicion. If a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful, the husband must present his wife before the Lord, and the priest will apply this entire ritual law to her. The husband will be innocent of any guilt in this matter, but his wife will be held accountable for her sin, right? So that's just a dude who's got like, something ain't right. You know, and it's, it's got to be like founded upon, you know, factual things, so to speak. Because if he brings her and he's wrong, then he's wrong before the Lord. He's wrong before the Lord. And then he's got to deal with that. Here's what I wrote next to this in my little journal Bible. So thankful that Jesus drank from the bitter cup. 
for me. Because you know who's guilty of spiritual adultery? This guy. Been guilty of it. Unfaithful to God? This guy. In my relationship to him? This guy. Turning towards other things? Me. Me. But you know who never had to drink from that better cup? Me. Because he did it. Because Jesus stood in for me. Amazing. Like, amazing. When you read through these stories and you're like, man, this is extreme. This is what I did to him. This is what I did to Jesus. I was unfaithful to the one who has always been faithful before I knew him and even in my relationship with him. It hasn't been 100%. I've gotten distracted. I've put my eyes on things I shouldn't be putting my eyes on, so to speak, and all that stuff. Like my allegiance hasn't always been 100% to him. That's the walk we walk. And praise God for repentance and coming back and coming back and coming back and learning, hopefully learning, learning, and learning. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Keep my eyes fixed on him. My eyes fixed on him. Because even if it, who cares if it's multiple times, even if it was just one time, he drank from a cup of suffering that you and I don't have to drink from. When he took all of our sins upon himself on the cross, so thankful for Jesus, so grateful for him. Now, real quick, chapter six, Nazarite law. Okay, so you go from that, now you're gonna deal with individuals. Could be men, could be women, whoever wants to take this Nazarite vow, which Nazarite means set apart, or one who is separated, separated from. So verse one of chapter six, it says, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take a special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other, or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice. They must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by the Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from the grapevine not even the grape seeds or skins, okay? So that's one area, okay? One qualifier. But what's fascinating is that this could be a man or a woman could take the Nazarite vow, right? We know of some men who have taken the Nazarite vow, right? Individuals, whether they took it on themselves or not, it doesn't matter. But the most famous for the Old Testament, I think, is Samson. And he was, his parents were told he's gonna be a Nazarite. Now, he blew every rule possible, in the Nazarite vow. It was almost like he was looking how he, like, how can I top myself today, right? Stay away from, stay away from grapes. Oh, maybe I'll, you know, he just, I don't know what it was. Maybe he, you know, had spiritual dyslexia and he just thought like, no, I'm supposed to do these things? No, 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 don't do those things. Oh, I thought I was supposed to do them. He was really good at it, okay? Really good at it. The other one would be Samuel, right? Hannah, his mom, had, had set him apart for the Lord. So there's thoughts that he was, that was a, a Nazarite kind of vow. There's ideas that John the Baptist took a Nazarite vow because the angel, what the angel had said to his dad in Luke chapter one, verse 15. So that's a, yeah, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, we're not sure. But we also know that Paul himself took two Nazarite vows in the book of Acts, okay? So there's, there's a time frame on these vows. They can, some of them, Samson's was a lifelong one. Samuel, if that, was, if that is true of him, I believe it is, was a lifelong one. But like Paul took two short vows, 
two times, you know, and, and the idea, and we're going to see it in a second, but how the length of these things, how they could be. But they could be for a man or for a woman. Women are not excluded from this. We just don't have any, in the Bible, we don't have any record of ladies who did this. But you can, okay? There's some extra biblical sources that um, reference one specific lady who had, I think her name was Helena, and she took the Nazarite vow. She would do it every single year because God had protected her son in battle and brought him home safely, okay? But that's extra biblical stuff. That's outside of the Bible kind of history. So stay away from alcohol. No alcohol. You don't, you can't even eat the grape. No, you don't, no raisin bran. No, nothing. Grape nuts. Is that even a thing? I don't know if that's grapes or not. But uh, yeah, don't even try those, right? Why would you? Unless you have a really good dentist, but stay away from those things too, okay? But no wine, no alcohol, none of that. This is a requirement for the Nazarite vow. Verse five, they must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow. For they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until their time, uh, the time of their vow has f- been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. And they must not go near a dead body. Okay, again, stay away from dead bodies. During the entire period of their vow to the Lord, even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves. For the hair on their head is the symbol of their separation to God. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord, okay? So that's where we, we know from the book of Acts that Paul got, he got his hair cut. He was taking these vows, okay? Verse nine, if someone falls dead beside them, the hair they have dedicated will be defiled. They must wait for seven days then shave, and then shave their heads. Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. On the eighth day, they must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of the birds for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will purify them from the guilt they incurred through contact with the dead body. Then they must reaffirm their commitment and let their hair begin to grow again. The days of their vow that were completed before the defilement no longer count. You're like, man, I didn't know he's going to die, right? And they're like, well, it's starting over, okay? Shave your head. They, you know, day one, here we go, all right? So they must rededicate themselves to the Lord as a Nazarite for the full term of their vow. And each must bring a one-year-old male lamb for the guilt offering. So it's, it's for the full term of, of their vow. So they've decided, I'm going to do this Nazarite vow for this many days. And then God holds them to that. And if it's 30 days, and on day 29, homeboy next to you drops dead and falls onto you, you're like, you're starting over. You're like, oh, because you said 30 days. You promised to God 30 days. So he's going to hold you to that. He's like, all right, let's cut your hair. Let's start over again, okay? So the Lord is just, it's, he, he's holding them to this, but these are people who are setting aside this specific amount of time. This is for the Lord. This is for the Lord, okay? I'm going to abstain from, you know, the alcohol, that, the, the vine and, and the fruit that comes from the vine. Oftentimes that would be somewhat of an illustration of worldly like pleasures and stuff. And they're like, I'm not going to pursue worldly pleasures. I'm just going to focus in on the Lord. This is kind of like fasting, but not fasting. Okay. Grow your hair out, do all that stuff. Verse 13, this is the ritual law for the Nazarites at the, con- at the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites. They must each go into the entrance of the tabernacle and offer their sacrifices to the Lord. A one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, 
one-year-old female lamb without defect for a sin offering, because even in the midst of their Nazarite vow, guess what they're probably still going to be doing unintentionally? Sinning. Still sinning, okay? Sin still needs to be atoned for. The uh, uh, ram without defect for the peace offering, a basket of bread made without yeast, cakes of choice flour mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with olive oil, along with their prescribed grain offerings, liquid offerings. The priest will present these offerings before the Lord, the first sin offering and the burnt offering, then the ram for the peace offering, along with the basket of bread without yeast. The priest must also present the prescribed grain offering and liquid offering to the Lord. Just one little note to that. This Nazarite vow is going to cost them something to do this. Because all these offerings, these are extra in this whole Nazarite thing. So this is you saying, I'm going to set aside 30 days just for the Lord. And at the end of that day, the 30 days, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to worship him. And it's going to cost me It's going to cost me a a male lamb, a female lamb, a ram. It's going to cost me these breads and and all this other stuff. But it's my offering to the Lord. It's my offering to the Lord. You don't do the Nazarite vow to get something from him. You do it for him. You don't fast so that you can get something from it, although there's benefits. But you're not in it for the benefits. You're in it for like, because I will benefit from this thing. In my relationship with the Lord, it's a beautiful thing. This whole Nazarite vow thing, it's a beautiful thing. Verse 18, last little part here. Then the Nazarites will shave their heads at the entrance of the tabernacle. They'll take their, the hair that had been dedicated and place it on the fire beneath the peace offering, a sacrifice. After the Nazarite's head has been shaved, the priest will take for each of them the boiled shoulder of the ram And he will take from the basket a cake and a wafer made without yeast. He will put them all into the Nazarite's hand. Then the priest will lift them up as a special offering before the Lord. These are holy portions for the priest, along with the breast of the special offering and the thigh of the sacred offering that are lifted up before the Lord. After this ceremony, the Nazarites may drink wine again. Okay, so this is like a, you can't drink that, it's bad for you or whatever. It's just like, no, I'm setting this aside setting this aside. That's what it is. For this time period in my life, I'm setting these things aside. And when it comes to alcohol in the church, it always comes up and all this good stuff. I don't, I don't drink, but that's a personal thing for me. I drank middle school and high school, okay? I stopped halfway through high school, but I just stopped, okay? Alcoholism is a thing, okay? And I knew I was headed there. I knew I was headed there. So I didn't know the Lord at all, but I was like, I'm not drinking ever again. And I've, and I've held fast to that. Part of the Calvary Chapel thing is they ask that pastors don't drink. I don't have a problem with that, okay? I heard Skip Isaac say this one time. He's like, look, I drink as much as I want. I don't want to drink. And so I don't drink, right? And it's like, yeah. Do I have the freedom to? Sure. Do you have the freedom to? Sure. Don't get drunk. The sin is in the drunkenness, okay? But again, how close to the edge do you want to get? Okay, just, you know, I, I've never heard any real good stories concerning alcohol, okay? I have been around it my entire life and have only seen, heard, witnessed tragedy. I don't drink. I don't. I don't want to, and I'm not going to. It's not a thing, it's not a thing for me. That may be a thing for you, you know? But you've got to be wise. You've got to be smart, man. This is, again, this is war, This is war. 
And you know, the, the enemy knows you really well. He knows how to get you. He just, we all have to be smart. My thing's not that. I have other things I have to guard myself from. I have other temptations that like to work their way into my life that I have to be on guard nonstop. But praise God for the grace of God. That just every single day, man, it's just abundance. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. I slipped, I messed up. Let him pick you back up. Fresh starts, man. Fresh starts with the Lord. It's amazing. For these Nazarites, they, they set that aside. And then when that time was done, if they wanted to drink wine, they went back to drinking wine. For them, that was okay. For them, that was okay. Verse 21, this is the ritual law of the Nazarites who vowed to bring these offerings to the Lord. They may also bring additional offerings if they can afford it. And they must be careful to do whatever they vow when they set themselves apart as a Nazarite. Like, don't say you're going to do it unless you're going to do it, okay? So, like, finish, finish, follow through. Last bit, this is the coolest part. Verse 22, the, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with a special blessing. Verse 24, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Oh, I love that so much. You need to have those verses highlighted in your Bibles. You need to underline them. You need to put a star next to them. What you need to do is when you go home, if you have little note cards or index cards or little sticky notes, you're going to write that down on a sticky note, and then you're going to stick it on your bathroom mirror because we know you look at it, okay? And if you don't, it's time to start, all right? So you're going to put it where you can see it every single day. Because what was said to the children of Israel back then still applies to you and I to this day. When I hear this, there's one person I think of all the time. His name is Chuck. Chuck would finish his sermons singing this. Sometimes he would sing it. I'm not going to do that. But he would do that. Amazing. Amazing man of God. I love that dude so much. May the Lord bless you and protect you, or may the Lord bless you and, and keep you. And that's, keep is a great one, but I, I really cherish the protect. Okay, it means the same thing. It means the same thing, okay? But for me, protect communicates better. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Oh, it's so beautiful. Verses 24 through 26. Verse 27, last one, when Aaron and his sons blessed the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close this out by saying, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace because that's my prayer for you. And you know, to be selfish, I kind of want to be blessed too, all right? Because I read that, you read that last verse. Like, yeah, why wouldn't I finish that way? I'd be nuts not to finish that way, right? No, but that, that is my heart for you. That, that is absolutely my heart for you guys. And that you would fall so in love with the Lord, so in love with him. That you would, you would know that, man, he, he is blessing you. He is protecting you. He is smiling on you. He's smiling on you. Do you ever think of God the Father that way? He is smiling at you. He's gracious to you. He will show you his favor. He will give you his peace. It's a beautiful thing. To have a relationship with the Lord is an absolutely beautiful thing.
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.